Hey, this is Glover Teixeira, UFC Light Heavyweight Champion. Hi, I'm Robbie Lawler. What's up, Fight Family? This is your favorite MMA coach, Tiago Alves, the Pitbull. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Pedro Moyo. This is Mike Brown. Hey, I'm Alex Alenik. And welcome. And welcome. And welcome. And this is We Want One Picks. And you're watching We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. To We Want Picks. Hi, everybody from America. My name's Angelo, and welcome to We Want Picks. We're coming off the heels of an incredible UFC Austin. Jacob hit every one of his live bets. I hit every single bet that I shared with you people. And we're going to try to repeat that success today for UFC Vegas 57. We have Sarukian versus Gamera in a battle of the wrestlers. But before we jump in, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. We have five different betting partners. And if you sign up with any one of them and make a deposit, I send you $50 as a thank you. So go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, jump into any one of the five partners. They all offer their own bonuses and their own matches. Jump in there, make a deposit, and then I send you 50 bucks. Cash app, PayPal, Venmo, however you want it. Jacob, you had a very successful week last week. Your picks were good and your live bets were very, very good. And I say live bets, it was what you were doing during the pre-fight stream, the actual uh, fight companion and Twitter. So let's see if you can keep riding that train. Yeah, that's my uh, favorite thing to do right before a fight starts. I always want to have a little bit of action in every single fight. So I'll put a fight on uh, or a bet on Twitter or whatever, uh, put it out to the world right before the, the uh, fight starts. And those were going insane. Went 10 and 3 in picks. And my biggest lock, I will tell you this week already, is my good friend Angelo Robles Jr is fighting his professional debut on Saturday. It is going to be a massacre. He's 6-0 as an amateur, making his professional debut. So show him some love on Instagram, Angelo Robles Jr. His nickname is Tiger. I can't wait to see him fight uh, this Saturday night and make his professional debut. He is a bantamweight, featherweight, and he is going to be the real deal, guys. So follow him, jump on that trainer earlier, show him some love on uh, Instagram. Wish him good luck, and uh, that's that's the lock. Of, uh, of this week, the real lock, because I know they, the locks have been a little gazy lately, so uh, this is the real deal here. All right, well, Jacob's supporting his friend. I am not the Angelo. Different Angelo, different ethnicity. There's a lot of us out there, Greeks, Italians, Hispanics. But let's go. Let's jump right in. First up, at UFC Vegas 57, we have Jin Frey taking on Vanessa Demopoulos. Vanessa Demopoulos is 7-4 and four overall, 2-3 and three in her last five, coming off an incredible incredible job-saving submission about four months ago. Jin Yufrey is 11-6 overall, 3-2 in her last five, and she is riding a two-fight win streak. Jin Yufrey is an older, well-experienced fighter, and that's how she carries herself. She's patient, so he doesn't panic when things are getting tough. And for the most part, she likes to throw big, heavy bombs, and that sets up her wrestling and her cage control. She is a heavy grappler who uses her size, strength, and physicality pretty well. In her last fight against Ashley Yoder, she actually avoided the grappling completely and was able to win just with forward pressure and being physical in the exchanges. And that might be her game plan here because of how dangerous Vanessa's grappling is. And Vanessa Demopoulos is a solid striker who likes the pocket. 
She doesn't have any real power, but she does have volume and footwork. And if it does get to the ground, she's got solid grappling and she can make something happen. She's coming off that amazing submission win over Silvana Gomez Juarez in a fight that she should have lost. If you didn't see that fight, Vanessa was dropped. She was dropped hard. But instead of her opponent letting her back up to her feet, her opponent followed her to the mat and then Vanessa was able to pull off a armbar submission off her back after basically being knocked out cold. I love Jin Yufrey in this fight. I absolutely love her in this fight. I think Vanessa's probably going to be a little faster. She'll potentially have the better footwork, but I expect Jin to slow down the pace, work in some of that bully-style physical grappling and some takedowns, basically the exact same way that Lapita Cadenas beat Vanessa Demopoulos in the LFA. So Vanessa's obviously very dangerous on the ground, and we have seen lesser opponents submit Jin Yufrey like Kay Hansen did about two years ago, but I still think this is a unanimous decision win for Jin Frey, but I do have a bet on this. Jacob's the one who put me onto the bet, so I'll let you go ahead and break down this fight, and then we'll cover that. Uh, yeah, I, I 100% agree with everything. Jin, Jin Frey, this is her fight basically to lose, and I'm glad you referenced that. Not only the Ashley Yoder fight, but the Kay Hansen fight as well, because people are going to see, oh, armbar, and they're going to look at Vanessa and be like, oh, armbar. That was actually kind of a weird situation with the Kay, the Kay Hansen armbar. It was a, it was like a wizard situation, and they went to the ground, and all of a sudden, Kay Hansen's like, oh my god, her arm's right here, and, and then the armbar happened, and, and you saw the... Listen, Jin Frey is, is her fight IQ is off the charts, and you saw that in the Ashley Yoder fight. She said, if I go to the ground, that is Ashley Yoder's best chance for her to beat me, is let me follow her to the ground, and then she can she might be able to beat me there. So I'm not going to follow to the ground. Every time she went to the ground, Jin Frey was like, nope, no thanks. Get back to your feet and let me box you up. If she follows that same game plan for this Vanessa Demopoulos fight, this should be an absolute, I don't want to say a beating, but it should be pretty one-sided on the feet the way that Jin Frey um, can strike. Now, v Vanessa... Very, 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 very tough, and she can get very aggressive. And her, the way that she wins this fight is to make it nasty, engage some clinching, hope they fall to the ground. And when they fall to the ground, she is a girl that immediately looks for arm bars. You saw that in the last fight; she found the arm bar. But anytime you see her go to the ground, she's immediately trying to secure those overhooks and looking for those arm bars with the flexibility she has. Former stripper, <laughs> insane flexibility. Um, but as you mentioned, this the bet for this that I put on this, and I can't believe the odds are what they are because this should be a Jin Frey decision win fairly easily in my mind. But Vanessa Demopoulos, if it goes to the ground, is very, very dangerous on the ground. You can get Vanessa Demopoulos inside the distance, decisional action. And my pick on this fight is Jin Frey. I think she wins, goes to a decision, has no issues on the feet, doesn't follow her to the ground. But for some reason, if this gets to the ground, if Vanessa Demopoulos finds that submission that she's found before, it, it, the the bet is inside the distance, decisional action, plus 190. I put 1.5 units on it. If it goes to a decision, if Vanessa loses, which I think probably happens, I get that money back. No harm, no foul. If Vanessa finds that submission, we pay out plus 190. So I feel good about it. I think Angela feels good about that bet as well. Um, and we also, I'm glad you mentioned the LFA for uh, uh, Vanessa as well because she does have some, some decent people that she's fought. She's fought Loopy. She's fought Caitlin Chukagian. She's fought, um, there was somebody else. I can't remember who she's fought uh, on the, uh, oh, uh, Cheyenne Buys. So she does have some good experience, even though her record isn't as, as, as you know, there's only 11 fights or whatever. But yeah, my uh, pick for this fight is Jenny Frey. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. And just to tie the knot off on that bet. So basically, Vanessa Demopoulos has proven that she's tough. She's never been finished. And 
she got blasted in her last fight and just kept her wits about her and was able to not only survive but pull off the submission. So I do think it's a solid bet. I don't think it cashes, right? I don't think right. Vanessa Demopoulos is going to stop Jin Yufrey, but it doesn't matter because you get your money back. But in the off chance that she does submit Jin Yufrey, you'll get paid. So the most likely outcome in this fight is Jin Yufrey wins by decision. If that happens, you get a refund. The bet never happened. But if Vanessa Demopoulos pulls it off by stoppage, you, plus 190. Uh, you, you almost triple your bet. You're only going to get that if you go to bet online. If you go to weonpicks.com slash bets, jump in the bet online, sign up, make a deposit. We'll send you 50 bucks. But I do like that decision no action bet on Vanessa, even though I don't think it cashes, but we're not going to lose any money either. It's essentially risk-free. DraftKings, the, the problem is... So I think Jin Yufrey wins. $9,200 is a lot of money to spend in DraftKings. If I thought she would grapple, it would be worth it, right? That's how you make money in DraftKings is grappling matches or stoppages. I don't know if she's going to grapple. Like you said, it, it might look exactly like her last fight with Ashley Yoder. Drop her stand up, drop her stand up, take, you know, push her down, bully. So I don't think she's worth it in DraftKings. Vanessa Demopoulos definitely is probably not. You're agreeing. I'm seeing the head. Yeah, the, yeah. The the Jin Yufrey. I, I don't know why you would grapple. There's there's some people. I was watching. I think we were live streaming like a couple weeks ago, and there was a, a a guy fight. I can't remember what it was, but it was against a submission person, and they kept going to the ground with them. And people were saying, "But they're doing fine. They're surviving." It's like, why are you? Why are you? I know you're on top and you survive, but you're like he's he was just defending armbar after armbar and arms tucked. Just it's like, why do you? Why do you want to be there? Like, why even be there? Vanessa Demopoulos' best chance of winning is on the ground. Don't even entertain it. And for that fact, uh, I would not play uh, Junior Frey at $9,200. Yeah, no, I uh, I tend to agree with that. But I do like the more and more on the monkey knife fight strike line. So if you don't know what monkey knife fight is, daily fantasy. Just go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF. They'll instantly match your deposit when you sign up. And all you need to do, hold on, all you need to do is... Guess the strike line, more or less. And I think this fight goes to a decision. I think there's a ton of strikes thrown. So I like the more and more here. What I also like is this Holy 50 shit. bucks from Z Tark. Z Tark with the $50. You guys killed the bets last week. My appreciation. And if you want 50 bucks, why don't you take it this time, Jacob? Well, what the fuck? Oh, Jacob, Jacob too. Whoa. <laughs> feeling good about that. <laughs> that took feeling a turn. Real. I That's appreciate weird. that, Z Tark. Hey, Z Tark, didn't you about. win the um, the DraftKings? I always get Z Tark and um, there's another one that I, the, the names are like interchangeable. I can't remember. Well, anyway, Z Tark, we appreciate that 100%. Very, very much. And uh, yeah, listen, I'm not soliciting donations from anybody, but I appreciate you basically watched our free content, got some solid betting advice, made some money betting, and then donated some back. And, and we appreciate that. That's amazing. So thank you very much. Thanks for recognizing all the hard work and i'm glad uh, it worked out for you yeah and i agree with the uh the more and more vanessa will will bring those strikes out of junior Frey because she will push the pressure um i agree with the more and more all right so we're gonna hit that we on picks.com slash mkf next up at ufc vegas 57 we have mario batista taking on brian kelleher mario batista's nine and two overall Three and two in his last five, coming off a decision win over Jay Perrin about three months ago. Brian Kelleher is 24 and 13 overall. Three and two in his last five. And he's coming off a very quick loss to Umar Nurmagomedov. Mario Batista is a high volume 
get one to give one style striker. He sets a nice pace and is always plodding forward while being light on his feet. He's constantly moving and then he plants those feet and lets his hands go. Even though he's constantly moving, he actually can be pretty hittable, which has gotten him into some trouble in the past. He's coming off a solid win over a short notice Jay Perrin, where he was able to not only double the strikes, but he also worked in four takedowns, which we had not seen from him yet in the UFC. Brian Kelleher is incredibly well-rounded with clean boxing, decent power, pretty good grappling, and it sets a great pace. He's very fun to watch, and he's always looking for a finish. You can look at his record and assume that he's a journeyman, right? He's got a good amount of losses in there. But the reality is that he's a very good fighter who really only loses to the better guys in the division. If you look at his last three losses, he lost to Umar Namagomedov. Ricky Simone and Cody Stamen. All three of them are stud wrestlers. All three of those fights were at 145 pounds, unlike this one, which is actually at 135 pounds. And this is a really tough fight to pick. These guys are actually pretty similar. They're both busy strikers. They can both grapple when they need to. And I think the difference in this fight will actually be experience and physicality. So Brian Kelleher is by far more experienced at this level. He's got 14 fights in the UFC. And at 135 pounds, he can be a bully. He can bully his way through fights. My worry is definitely his negative striking differential. But I think if he brings the same grappling to this fight that he brought to the Kevin Kroom fight or the Domingo Pilarte fights, I think Brian Kelleher gets it done. He is the pick. I do think this is a pretty close fight. Before I hand it over to you, Jacob, let's just note my apologies to Brian Kelleher. I posted this graphic <laughs> on Instagram the other day. I had him listed at 5'3", and he commented on the Instagram saying, I am 5'6 and 3 quarters. So here we go. Brian Kelleher, 5'6 and 3 quarters. He's 6 foot at weddings. That's all that matters. <laughs> yes. What are your thoughts? A Jackie boy. I, I don't, I'm not going to disagree with you on the Brian Kelleher because I, I do believe that he is a little bit underrated, especially in the, in the Bantamweight division. As you mentioned, only lost to killers. The guy has real, real power. I mean, he's got real power for the Bantamweight division. Always has that dangerous guillotine if people want to grapple with them. And offensive grappling and, and wrestling is not bad as well. But, you know, in this matchup, and I watched Mario Batista he just seems like the more dynamic fighter. You know, Brian Keller is what he is. He's very good at what he does, and that is basically throw the big right hand and try to catch people in guillotine. But as far as, like, in and out striking, um, you know, in, in scramble situations, it just seems like Mario Batista is just that, that next-level guy. Um, not next-level as far as, like, he's a championship guy, but just a little bit a step ahead of Brian Keller in the striking. He does some wild stuff, too. Um, throws a lot of those flying knees that we saw. Actually, um, Kevin Kroom almost got Brian Keller in trouble with those uh, flying knees. Obviously, he's a, a lot taller in the situation, so the knees are a little bit uh, right there in your face in that situation. But, um, you know, I, I just feel like Batista, this is his fight to lose. It kind of in, in the Jin Ufre situation where if he doesn't entertain, I don't I don't want him to entertain the wrestling, just like Jin Ufre. If he just kind of dances around, plots his time, you know, he can find those opportunities to win a decision against Brian Keller. If he tries to get too aggressive, you know, as you mentioned, he is hittable, and Brian Kelleher has the power. If he tries to wrestle, Brian Kelleher will be there with the guillotine. So I played this the exact same way. Mario Batista is my pick. I think that he should kind of not easily win this fight, but this is his fight to lose. But Brian Kelleher with the power, Mario Batista is very hittable. Um, Brian Kelleher with the guillotine, and Mario Batista tries to uh, wrestle. Sometimes he's non-wrestlers wrestling, take weird shots. I, I played the same bet. For Brian Keller, as I did with Batista or with the uh, Jin Frey fight, I have inside the distance 
decisional action. So if Brian Keller comes in, lands that big shot, or finds that guillotine that he's found before, I get paid out. Uh, I think I only put a unit on this. I, can't, I don't have the odds up right now, but I think it was plus 110, something like that. Um, same bet. I think Mario Batista wins a decision, but if Brian Keller brings that power or finds that guillotine, I'm going to get paid out. So my pick is Mario Batista. I think he should win the striking, but things could get a little crazy for him if he gets a little too aggressive. Yeah, that's what the the beauty of those safety net bets. So you're picking Batista to win, but your actual money's on Brian Kelleher. And that win inside the distance decision, no action bet. Again, if Brian Kelleher wins inside the distance, Jacob will get paid. If he loses a decision, you get a refund. The bet never happened. You're and, and, only going to get are, that. Yeah, and, the, and those are people. And those I saw on the live stream uh, like Saturday, people were like, oh, you're playing both sides of the fence. Like, yeah, that's uh, the smart thing. Those people. I, yeah, I mean, that's the smart thing to do. I, I, I make a pick for the channel. But for my money, that's the safe play. I think Mario Batista, I don't think I'm going to get paid out on my bet, but it's there. It's good odds, so I'll take some money on it, you know? Well, and, and you're the, only going to find that bet. bet. Yeah, you're only going to find that bet. We on picks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Bet Online is the only partner that offers that bet. If you sign up and make a deposit, we'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. You will hear people say a inside the distance only or finish only. You'll hear people say that bet with other sportsbooks like DraftKings. That's not the same bet. Finish only is not the same bet as win inside the distance, decision, no action. It's the decision, no action part that makes this bet really unique. You get a refund. You get your money back. So anyway, I, I don't necessarily know if I like that bet here, but that's your bet. So you're good with that. DraftKings, I like Brian Kelleher at $7,500. To get this big of a discount on a guy with... 37 fights, 14 of them in the UFC. That's incredible. That's incredible. I will take that $7,500 discount over a hittable Mario Batista. Do you I like Mario so. Batista at $8,700? Nah, I don't, I don't like him that much. Yeah. I also like the more and more in draft, or on, on Monkey Knife Fight. There's another one, 78 to 54. I think it is kind of a striking match. I think Brian Kelleher blows past 54. Because I think he can work in some wrestling. Like I mentioned, he did against Kevin Kroom, Domingo Pilarte. He works in some takedowns. He might even end up defending some takedowns. I think there's a lot of back and forth here. I think this is probably a decision. I like the more and more. What do you think? I think it's more. I think it's a decision. I think it's a decision win for uh, for Mario Batista. So I, I think it's a more and more. I think it's a striking battle. I think it's a, I think they go at it. Yeah. So more and more. If you want to check that out, we on picks.com slash mkf. Monkey Knife Fight, it's just daily fantasy, guys. It's no different than a DraftKings or anything like that. It's not gambling. It's an app on your phone, but it's super easy to make some money and have some fun. Next up at UFC Vegas 57, we have JP Bays. It's not buys. You keep saying buys. Everybody says, this is the I'm one that I'm buys. actually getting. This is actually the one name that I'm going to get correct. It's buys. Bays. It's Bays. <laughs> it's Bays. JP Bays take it on Cody Durden. And you guys are going to have all sorts of comments for this one. But JP Bays is 9-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two in his last five. And he is looking for his first official UFC win. Cody Durden is 12-4 and four overall, 2-2-1 two, two and one in his last five. And he's coming off a quick loss to Mohamed Makayev. And this is an interesting fight. The line is is interesting. It's a moving line here. It has it's not dramatic, but Cody opened as the betting favorite. He opened at minus one twenty, and these odds have completely flipped now. JP is now minus one twenty. So the market said, again, not drastic movement, 
but the market did say JP's going to win this fight, not Cody, is who the bookie said was going to win. Uh, and Cody Durden's a wrestler who throws big looping punches to close the distance and get a takedown. His takedowns are very good, and he chains them together well. His takedown accuracy is just shy of 40%, which is low but he does average more than four takedowns per fight, and that is always the telltale sign of a chain wrestler. You'll see that he's one, two, and one in the UFC. Doesn't sound great, but if you look closer, you'll see it's not all bad. His UFC debut was a draw against Chris Gutierrez, where Durden opened as a 10-8 round. That fight started at a 10-8, straight out of the gate. First round, 10-8. Then he gave up the next two, fine. His next loss was to Jimmy Flick. Flash submission. He had two takedowns, four times the amount of strikes landed, but did get caught. Then he beat a very game Curry Lang. And his last fight, I mean, that was destruction. But Muhammad Makayev is the real deal. So point is, Cody Durden, 2-2-1 two, two in the UFC. But the reality is, it, they're not the worst losses in the world. Or 2-2-1 two, two his last five. Uh, JP, he's also a very good wrestler. He averages two takedowns per 15 minutes. But as we saw in his last fight, he can also be taken down. What we also saw in his last fight, though, is just how incredibly tough he is. Montel Jackson knocked him down four times, and JP just never stopped pressuring, never stopped working for that win. I mean, he took that beating. And a lot of you, are, you're going to hammer the comments section. You're doing it now, talking Should about I, When he was getting it. knocked down, I, I just remember, because I, I rewatched that fight, and Cheyenne's like, come on, sweetie. Oh, boy. <laughs> Well, how things have changed. And you guys are definitely going to hammer the comment section. Everybody thinks they're a comedic genius making fun of poor JP and what happened with his wife and all that. And while it's all fun and games, that literally has no, at least for me, I don't know, I can't speak for Jacob. For me, it has no bearing on the pick. I am not like, oh, JP's in this depression. He's going to get, it has no bearing at all. With that being said, I do like Cody Durden to win this fight. The line move is actually surprising to me. I'm surprised it shifted, you know, a 40-point 40, 40 shift, I guess you could say. And it's just, I'm surprised because I think Cody comes forward, throws those big power shots, which we see can drop JP. I think he works in his own takedowns, which we've seen JP taken down. And I think it's that simple. JP's toughness could somehow pull something off, right? He did look good in that first round, the last fight. We saw him get blasted. He wouldn't get put away. And Cody does tend to fade as fights go on, but Montel Jackson took him down four times. And I know Jacob, Jacob and I argued offline. He's going to, Montel Jackson was training to be in the Olympic rest, but he doesn't fight like that. He fights like a striker. Montel Jackson took him down. I think Cody Durden's going to take him down. So I like Cody Durden. He is the pick. And I have a money line bet on him at minus 110. What do you I think? I have a uh, money line bet on JP Bays because I will tell you that I am tired Sick and tired. There's a couple of people on this card I'm sick and tired of disrespect. And one of them is J.P. Bays. I don't know why everyone all of a sudden thinks that this guy don't know how to wrestle, doesn't know how to grapple. Angelo alluded to it. He tried to get out ahead of this. Montel Jackson is a guy that wrestled his entire life. That's all. He, his entire life, he just dreamed of being an Olympic wrestler until they you took wrestling. You dream of being six of, feet? Excuse me. You're sir. never going to be it. Look how defensive he's getting. I mean, look how pressed this dude's getting. Um, <laughs> all about a Montel Jackson wrestling. I don't get it, but... He, he, he wrestled for Team USA against Team Japan. The guy trained at the Olympic training facility for wrestling, so he knows what he is doing. Everyone, go back and re-watch 
the J.P. Bays montel Jackson fight the first round and watch how J.P. Bays takes him down, fully mounts him, winning scrambles. So everyone out there that thinks that this dude does not know how to wrestle is, I'll say, is just oh, he's definitely clueless. a good wrestler. Yeah, you're clueless. If you say that this guy is a talentless loser, whatever you guys want to say, because I've seen it all. I've seen I've seen it all on Twitter. I've seen it all. This guy doesn't know. Blah 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 blah. And let me say this, Angelo. I know about heartbreak. I know <laughs> about heartbreak, and I understand what it can do to a guy. I I literally understand. You go through ups and downs, but the second you flip that switch and you get in my mind like screw this, I'm gonna show her. I promise you. There is nobody in the entire world in the last six months that is working harder than J.P. Bays, especially after last week when he saw his boy Roman get that big finish. Allegedly, Roman's involved in all this, but I promise you, nobody is going to work harder in this fight or has worked harder leading up to this fight. Then J.P. Bays and Cody Durden is a sloppy striker who just is desperate for takedowns. J.P. Bays is going to shake those takedowns off, come in with the technical striking, and drop this fool. I put 2.4 units on J.P. Bays at minus 120 to get two units back. I have never been so confident. If he was the underdog, I might make him on my lock anyway, even as a favorite, because obviously Locke's been doing some weird things lately. JP Bays is he's he's uh, guys look at his Instagram I'm telling you I told you guys about Silva last week and her striking how good it got how much improved look at his Instagram how hard he's working the guy's got talent he's got motivation determination he's gonna win this fight he's going to dominate uh, this fight listen I I uh, yeah listen I, I I'm with you that JP Bays is a very good fighter. People love he's become like the new meme fighter for whatever reason, which sucks because what happened to him in his personal life is all, everybody in the comment section that's got think they have a clever joke. You'd be gutted if this if that happened to you as public as it was. To, like, it's not to me. It's not, you know, it's not like some of the comments are funny. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll laugh at anything. But I, feel, I mean, know, I feel I, obviously I poke fun as well, you know, because I make the Cheyenne jokes and stuff. But as, as a person, like I, I'm pull, I don't know how you cannot awful. root for this guy. I don't know how you can not root for this guy because what what he went through is like the the worst of the worst situation. He moved from South Africa to Vegas to be with this girl, and all of a sudden she leaves him. He he was talking about he didn't want to fight anymore. Even his last fight that he died, I think it was a short notice. I can't remember, but that last fight, and I thought he won the first round pretty clearly. The judge just didn't give to him, but he literally said going to that fight, like, I don't want to fight. I I don't love this anymore, and she was in her corner, but there must have been stuff going on already. Um, But I I hope he comes out and really shows what he's all about because I think he's pretty talented. No, he's definitely a very good fighter. I still think Cody gets it done, though. I mean, JP's a very good offensive wrestler. We have seen him taken down quite a bit. His takedown defense is only 30%. Cody Dern's averaging more than four takedowns per fight. More than four. He's a he's chain wrestler. I mean, yeah, he is all in chain wrestling. That's for exactly. sure. Exactly. And I have I've say this every fight breakdown, it is much easier to finish a shot than it is to defend one. That's going to be a lot of defending for JP. So I'm on Cody here. You're on JP. But and I did put a money line on Cody because I, I am pretty I am pretty confident. You lost some money that. for uh, from Tony Kelly last week, so if you want to try and make that up, yeah. But I changed my Tony Kelly pick, and I know you I changed your pick, to, but yeah, still, we made uh, the bet. I changed my pick because of weigh-ins, and I made the bet. Before we can make wins, this straight up. Hundred bucks. I've already bet. I'm not going to bet you on a fight that I've already bet. That's stupid. All right. Uh, well. we'll we'll find a we'll find another bet later in this card. Listen, DraftKings, pick your side. I don't care what side you're on. You need one of these people in your DraftKings lineup because 
It will be grappling heavy, and DraftKings loves the scoring system. Loves that. Either one of these guys need to be in your lineup. I don't even think it's a question, right? No, 100%. Yeah, yeah, um, I already mentioned my bet. Jacob's got his. The monkey knife fight strike line, I think this is another more-more or a less-less. <laughs> this, one's, this one's tough because I think there's a lot of grappling, but I think there's a lot of pitter-patter striking in the grappling exchanges, and this is not significant strikes. This is total strikes. So every little slap... Any little contact whatsoever is ruled a strike. So if they have each other against the cage and just smacking the side of the head. So I'll have to look at the Cody Durden's last few fights, what those strike lines were like, where he got. Because if he got past 50 in those, then he'll get past 50 in this, is, is my opinion. Yeah, I think, I think it's a, both these guys are tough. They're both you know experienced wrestlers. I, I think it's a, a decision fight um, either way. I, they actually don't even have any of the like prop bets live except for it's the over 2.5 is minus 150, so they expect it to go to a decision. So I think it's probably a more and more play. Well, if you want to check out Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line and play some of those, go to wewantpicks.com slash MKF, and they will instantly match your deposit. And if you want 50 bucks for free, the only thing you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets, sign up with any one of our five betting partners, make a deposit, and we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up, at UFC Vegas 57, we have Julian Paeva taking on Sergei Morozov. Julian Paeva is 21-4 and four overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, and he's coming off that loss to Sean O'Malley. Sergey Morozov is 17-5 and five overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, and he's coming off a submission loss to Douglas Silva de Andrade about three months ago in a fight that he did dominate the first round. Julian Paeva is coming off a first-round loss to Sean O'Malley where he never really found his footing, but before that, he had an absolute war with Kyler Phillips, and if we learned anything from that fight, it's that while Rulian may not be amazing anywhere, he's an absolute dog. Paeva's well-rounded, he's tough, he absolutely refuses to quit. He's primarily a striker, and he has some power. His wrestling isn't great, but he has good grappling with threatening BJJ off his back. He is fighting a wrestler in this matchup, but in all four of his UFC wins, he has been taken down a total of seven times. So he is no stranger to fighting and beating wrestlers in the UFC. Sergey Marazov is a very busy striker who also averages more than three takedowns per fight. He's a good counter puncher with solid power. His counter strikes work really well for him because he baits you into a striking match before he lowers his level, drops down, and takes shots at your legs. Even in fights where he is taken down, like against Umar Namangamadov, he just never stops moving. He never settles in, and he's constantly working for something. And this should be a really fun fight between two dogs with negative striking differentials who just do not stop coming forward. Both of these guys are willing to slug it out, but probably shouldn't be. And this is another tough fight on a well-matched card, but I do think Morozov can get the win here. And obviously his grappling is important in this fight, but so is his counter striking because I, I don't want to put Morozov and Sean O'Malley like on the same level at all, but Sean lit Rulian up, right? Rulian just coming forward, couldn't find his rhythm and Sean lit him up. And that counter striking from Sergey and Rulian just running in to close the distance, he does pretty recklessly. I think it's going to set up Sergey striking and set up his wrestling. So I like Sergey to win this fight. Uh, I think it's going to be ugly, but I think it's going to be fun. What do you think, J Jackie boy? 
No, that was the perfect. I mean, that was the absolute perfect breakdown as far as the, the counter striking. Because uh, when you watch Morozov, especially in that Douglas fight, he's a pretty measured guy. Um, he, he dropped Douglas bad, and he kind of got in a, a bad situation that fight because he was trying to chase the finish, and then I think came out the second round and thought, oh, let me just go ahead and finish this guy, and then it was like, oh shit, he got hit in the head, and he started running around, you know, running from the fight. Uh, he got a little more, a uh, little too aggressive in that fight, where normally he's a pretty measured guy, which as you mentioned, against a guy like Paeva, who comes across very aggressive at times, could put him in a lot of trouble, being, being Paeva being in trouble, because we saw... He struggles with speed. Like he's, he's lost to Kaikara France, a very fast guy. Kyler Phillips, he won that fight. You know, allegedly won that fight. Uh, but Kyler <laughs> dropped him as well. Sugar, obviously very fast, put him in some trouble. I think Sergey can find some 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 nice opportunities with the counter-striking that you mentioned. Uh, Paeva's not an easy person to put away. It was kind of surprising that Sugar was able to put him away after you saw uh, him kind of rebound against the Kyler Phillips fight. He was dropped and came back and kind of made a late storm. Uh, it was kind of surprising to get him drop, to see him get dropped and finish like that because he is a warrior. He'll get dropped. And he'll keep coming back, and that's when he'll try to use some offensive wrestling. Good offensive wrestling, good defensive wrestling. Not the best, but he can do it to survive if he does get in a bad situation. But, um, you know, my, I think this is another one of those fights where I, I like a lot of favorites on this card. This is another situation where I feel like it's Sergey's fight to lose. As long as he doesn't do something stupid, he should be able to win a decision here. I don't see a, a finish necessarily in this fight. He's another one of those people. I, I, there's not a lot of bets that I like in this fight, even though I like a lot of favorites. But I like him at the money line. I feel like it's pretty good value. I got it at minus 130. I put 1.3 units on it to get a unit back. Uh, I, I love him in this fight as long as he doesn't get you know a little bit crazy because he got a little crazy in Douglas fight. He got caught. He paid for it. If he just stays measured, working some good takedowns, I, I think he can win a decision uh, pretty handily. You know, nothing against Paeva. I, li- I like Paeva. He's a, he's a a tough warrior guy, and he's going to be around for a while. But I think this is Sergey's fight to lose. Yeah, uh, we're pretty aligned there. So uh, DraftKings wise, I think eighty five hundred bucks is worth it because I do think he'll work in some takedowns. He could potentially get a finish. Julian Paeva's been in some wars. Been in some wars. And I don't know if Sean O'Malley just hits that freaking hard. Or poor Julian Paeva at 25 fights is starting to... His chin's starting to give out a little bit. But I do like Sergey at 8500 bucks. There's a couple 9,000 fighters I'm not in love with. So, I, you know, 8500 bucks allows you to afford some more mid-level underdogs. You agree with that? Uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't listen. But I okay. 100% agree. That's an agree. Monkey Knife fight strike line, 48 to 59. It's a tricky one. I'm probably not going to touch it because if I didn't just see Julian get knocked out the way he did or Julian get knocked out the way he did, I would say more and more. But Sean O'Malley might have taken... We, I, I actually don't know what his chin is going to be like now. So I, I don't know. And Sergey may he's be able a, to get to it. Uh, it's, it's tricky. Yeah, he's a, he's a hittable guy. That is a tricky line because Sergey is... Uh, when he sits on it, he sits on it. Well, yeah, look what he did to Douglas Silva de Andrade, who's a tank of a man. That same exact punch that connects to Rulian won't just drop him. It, it would probably put him out. So I don't know what to do with that monkey knife fight strike line, but I do know what to do if I go to weonpicks.com slash bets. I would sign up, make a deposit, and then they would send me 50 bucks as a thank you. Weonpicks.com slash bets. We have five partners. Sign up with any one of them, make a deposit, and we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. It was a solid transition. Yeah, you know, it was 3 out of 10. I've had worse. Next up, at UFC Vegas 57, we have TJ Brown taking on Shailan Nerdenbeek. Shailan Nerdenbeek is 36-10 and 10 overall, 
three and two in his last five, and he's coming off a decision win over Sean Soriano, where he racked up more than seven minutes of control time. TJ Brown is 16 and eight overall, three and two in his last five, coming off a win over Charles Rosa. But that was a short notice fight for Charles. And TJ Brown's an aggressive striker with solid volume and a great pace. He's also a very good grappler that averages almost five takedowns per fight. His takedown accuracy is only at an okay 62%, but he has no problem backing out of a shot, resetting, and then just dropping right back in and taking multiple shots before he eventually gets that takedown. But while TJ can be a busy offensive wrestler, his defensive wrestling could definitely use some work. He has a 35% takedown defense and has been taken down seven times in five fights. Shylon Nerdenbeek is a powerful grappler who likes to come forward with heavy strikes. He has a bully style where he likes to plot forward, throw big, and just pushes you against the cage, and he works takedowns from there. He will transition from one takedown to another pretty well, and when he's on top, he's got solid pressure and ground and pound. He also has a high per fight takedown average at three, but a low takedown success rate at only 27. And anytime you get two wrestle first fighters, you just don't know what you're going to get. You might get a grappling match with scrambles, or you can get a kickboxing match because nobody wants to take that first shot. And either way, I do think TJ Brown gets it done. His takedown defense does worry me a bit, but I think he can win the grappling exchanges or the kickboxing exchanges. And the only thing that really worries me, again, is the takedown defense. Neither guy has really done a great job stuffing takedowns in the past. So this fight may just come down to who shoots first because statistically speaking, whoever's going to shoot first in this fight will get the takedowns. So TJ's the pick, but fingers are crossed that he wastes no time and just starts diving at those legs. What do you think, Jackie boy? I have never seen no. a striker out-wrestle a wrestler. Arkansas wrestling, and actually... DJ Brown, Arkansas Wrestling, has now left Arkansas Wrestling. He's at Glory MMA. So we'll see if the jinx, you know, because I'm all about Arkansas Wrestling. I got some good old boys, Bryce Mitchell. Um, he DJ Brown's one of those guys, but he has now left Arkansas, and this is going to be his first fight. So we'll see how he uh, develops uh, no longer being that corn-fed, corn-fed uh, boy. When I look at this fight, it comes down to cardio. I, I, whoever does not get tired is going to win this fight. They're both grapplers. They both can strike as well. I, I think this is going to be a complete grappling match. I think TJ Brown's going to push the grappling. And if he's able to, uh, you know, sometimes I've seen his fights where he doesn't stop, but you can definitely tell in the third round, he's like, oh shit, I'm, I'm pretty tired. Let me, I'm going to keep going. Cause I'm a good old boy. You know? But uh, he, he definitely gets tired. Uh, um, same with Shylon as well. If it's striking, I think I give the edge to Shyline. He's a little bit more technical where TJ Brown's kind of like, as you mentioned, the big looping strikes, the more powerful shots. But if it turns into a kickboxing match, I think I like Shyline in this matchup. But I think it's going to be a wrestling match, a grappling match. It's going to be whoever's cardio holds up. I got to go with my boy Arkansas Wrestling and TJ Brown in that matchup. Um, if he gives out and starts getting taken down himself, you know, late second, third round and lose a decision, it is what it is. But I got to trust TJ Brown until he lets me down. Hopefully the move out of Arkansas... <laughs> Doesn't uh doesn't affect them. Oh, that was a kind of a rhyme there. I didn't realize. Yeah, was it supposed to be? TJ Brown till he lets me down. Let's me down. Put it on a t-shirt. Let's sell a billion. I'm going TJ Brown. Yeah, I like TJ Brown as well. And I listen, DraftKings, eight nine hundred dollars is a lot of money to spend because you do want grapplers in your DraftKings lineup because it's five points for every takedown. Control time racks up, but the reality is like. 
Shailan can also get the takedowns and he can defend them. I mean, obviously, statistically, he has not defended them, but depending where these come from, he can defend a few and then get some of his own. Like, I like TJ Brown to win. He's the pick, but I don't know if I'm going to have him in DraftKings at almost $9,000. What do you think? No, because I mean, in, in my mind, this is like the eight thousand, eighty two hundred dollar fight. I mean, I think this yeah. is, I think this is a pretty pick 'em fight. They're both kind of the same person. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't love that value for eighty nine hundred dollars, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not going to have, not definitely, but because you do want grapplers in your lineup for the scoring system. But I, I don't know if I'm going to have T.J. Brown in my lineup at eighty nine hundred bucks. And and similar story with this strike line. That's a pretty high strike line because I do think there's going to be a lot of grappling. But I think. Unlike if we go back to the JP Bays fight, I think it's going to be potentially some back and forth grappling. Where in this fight, I think one of them executes the grappling. So one of them is going to be on their back, not doing much. So I, I think it's probably a less less in Monkey Knight fight, even if it goes to a decision. So I, I like the less less. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. If you want to give Monkey Knife Fight a try, it's daily fantasy. It is daily fantasy. It's just like DraftKings, FanDuel, all that other stuff. But instead of building a team, and all you do is say more or less with the strike line. And if you're right, you can triple your money. You put a bunch of them together, you could 25 times your money. Ton of fun, super easy. Wewantpicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit. And if you want 50 bucks, I'll give you 50 bucks. You can throw it on Monkey Knife Fight. All you need to do is go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit with any one of our five betting partners, and I'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. My left eye is like watery and a mess. Oh, my God. Do we need to take a break? Do we need a time I, out? I, I might need a drop. Do a 30? Next up, at UFC Vegas 57, we have Tafan Chukwi taking on Carlos Ulberg. Carlos Ulberg is 4-1 in his last five, 4-1 in his entire career. And he's coming off a dominant win over Fabio Sharon. Tafan Chukwi. What? Was it though? Well, why don't we wait till it's your turn to talk and then you can go? Oh, but remember earlier when I was talking Chukwi and then you interrupted me about Monto? Hmm. Six and two overall, three and two in his last How five. And he's coming off a devastating we... loss. Oh, you're going to get muted. I swear. <laughs> Tafan Chukwi is six and two. Overall, three and two in his last five, and he's coming off a devastating loss to Azmat in a fight that he was absolutely dominating. <laughs> Shut up! Look at Reed Jester's comment. I see, out loud. I see his comment, <laughs> and I'm here to break down fights. That might be a, is, that might, that's a top five comment from Jester. Jester usually doesn't come out with zingers like that. That was good. All right, this is Tafan Chukwi's third fight up at light heavyweight, and he's looking for a second win. Tafan's a good technical striker who has legit power and technique. Historically, his issue was volume and speed, but when he's in a rhythm, he's definitely in a rhythm, and he looks fantastic. If we look at his last fight. You'll see on Sherdog just the KO loss. The reality is that he looked absolutely amazing in that fight. He was fast. He hit hard. He had great takedown defense. And he was cruising to a decision win before his coaches between the second round and the third round told him that you go out there, get the finish. You need to get the finish, which he didn't need to get. So he went out there, chased the finish, and then got put out. His coaches absolutely let him down. But it's also important to note here that He's not just a striker. He has four takedowns in five UFC fights, and he went three for three 
with takedowns against Mike Rodriguez. Carlos Ulberg is a world-class kickboxer who transitioned to MMA about 10 years ago. And even though he only has five MMA fights, he has been training his entire life. His most recent fight is a win over Fabio Chirant, where a lot of people were expecting him to get the finish and get it early. But I'm actually glad he didn't because he was able to showcase just how well-rounded he actually is. He was two for two on takedowns. He outstruck Fabio by five times. He literally landed five times the amount of strikes. His lone loss is to Kennedy and Chuck Wu in a fight that he was dominating before getting caught. He's listed at having a 100% takedown defense, but he's only defended one single takedown attempt in the UFC, and that was from Kennedy. This is another really fun fight with some solid matchmaking. Two amazing strikers that have shown us recently they can also grapple. But what makes this fight so tricky is that I think Tefan is definitely the more dangerous striker, but I think Carlos is the more technical striker. Carlos has an incredible strike differential of almost nine significant strikes landed for every four that he receives, where Tefan is only about six to four. I, I, I'm having a really hard time with this pick because Carlos is the better striker in what should be a striking match but Tafan's raw power and speed worry me, and he just looked absolutely amazing in his last fight until he didn't. But I'm going to go ahead and pick Ulberg here because I think Tafan's KO loss, which was less than three months ago, might have pushed him backwards, right? He used to be a little gun shy, and, and he may fall back into that because he might be worried about getting caught again, and he's not going to chase. And if he fights a technical pick-your-shot kind of kickboxing match, I think Carlos Ulberg hits a rhythm and sort of just picks him apart. So I like Ulberg here. What do you think, Jakey Boy? Uh, I think that Ulberg thinks he's a lot better than he actually is. I know he's got all that kickboxing experience, but he thinks he's like the Alex Pajeda of this division. Uh, obviously, it is. I think it is Alex Pajeda's division, but he, th he thinks he, he is Alex Pajeda, and he is not that talented it was actually kind of funny watching his fight against fabio because bisping and dc were kind of going at bisping was like that ah, he's got his chin up in the air doesn't he, he kind of looks like uh hey dc kind of looks like that luke rockhold huh with his chin up in the air like that and that's dc's boy and dc kept saying i'm not gonna say that i'm not gonna agree to that and every every couple minutes bisping like ah, luke rockhold chin a little bit huh dc and dc's like i'm not gonna say that i'm not gonna say it. and he's so i mean the guy is hands low just standing in front of Fabio like he's just like this the world class like world class striker and Fabio dropped his ass at the end of the first round like he, he hands low man hands down man down dropped his ass and if he does that same bullshit against Tefan he's gonna get dropped very very quickly if he thinks that he's gonna come in here and just be that hands low let me oh I'm this kickboxer you can't touch me Tefan's gonna knock this dude the fuck out um. And I think that's what happens. I, I think that Uberg thinks he's a lot better than he is in the striking. Is way overconf the way he holds his chin up, hands down low in his exchanges. You saw Fabio drop him. I know he ended up winning that fight, but if 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 Defon hits you the way that Fabio is going to hit you, you're not going to just go to a knee and get back up. You're going to be down and out. Um, you know, you mentioned Tefan's last fight. He was looking great until that knockout. Uh, what's his name was literally throwing like flying knee after flying knee after flying knee to where the commentary team was like, why does he keep doing this? And then he hits the flying knee. So, I mean, they must've seen something in the tape, um, that was going to happen and end up happening. But, um, uh, yeah, Tefan, I think that this is, it's an, uh, Uber uh, probably should win this fight because he is like the world-class kickboxer and it should be a kickboxing match. But the way he, he holds his carry his chin and his attitude going into fights, I don't love it, so I'm, I got to go to Tefan in this fight. I, I got to go uh, Tefan in this fight. I do. I do agree though. The knockout a few months ago is a little bit worrisome, but 
I just yeah, don't like and the I'm way not worried. It's not that I'm worried that his chin hasn't recovered or any of that. I'm literally just worried that it messed with him a little bit and he's not going to go chase. Because I do think if he's technical, if he's trying to fight a technical fight with Carlos Huber, I think Carlos Huber is the more technical striker. So I think he loses a technical striking match. And yes, Tefan Chukwi hits very, very hard, but it's not like every single one of his fight is a win by knockout. You know what I mean? He's not... He hits crazy hard, but he's not just absolutely I mean, flat. Fabio just kind of went boop, and Uberg went oh, oh. Okay, he has six. Tafanchukwi has six wins, and in the UFC, he only has two, and both of them are decisions. Oh, so you're now now you're the uh, the sure dog topology guy. I'm he just hasn't saying, knocked anyone like, out, so he can't knock him out. I'm not saying that at all. Fabio honestly, went I'm not, boop, uh, and I'm not on the. Uh, I, like, I, I'm picking Uber because I think it's a technical kickboxing match. I think he's more technical. So I'm not on the, like, you know, I'm not going to die on this hill. I think the odds are probably where they should be. Pretty much a pick them. I, I just be flipped. I don't think it's a guarantee that Tefan Chukwi is just going to knock anybody's head off that he's in there with. So anyway, I'm not going to argue with you. Like, it's not, Tefan, it's not like it's a bad pick. And frankly, you know, both these guys are very dangerous strikers. He got dropped um, by the water buffalo. I just and I think it, that's a great nickname. And I think Tafan is Tafan Dadan. That's also a great nickname, Tafan Dadan. Okay, okay. And Do I you also agree? think, uh, sure. I also think Tafan Chukwi at seventy nine hundred dollars is probably the better value in DraftKings. But you're gonna need that knockout, which we haven't really it seen him happen. get in the UFC just yet. Um. You'll agree with that. And then Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 92 to 75 to me is, I'm not touching it because this is saying he thinks it goes to a decision and Carlos Uberg will dance around, touch, 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 dance around. It's probably a less, less, but this could, you know, it, it's it's a tricky strike line. It's probably a less, less though. I think it's I less, think less the, too because if you watch that that Fabio fight too, he I know that he was kind of touching him up towards the end, but that first round he, he was like not doing it. He was just like stalking him and then whoop. And then, ooh, and then, like, look how good I am. Look at my hands are low. Look at, ooh, I'm so tough. I'm so beautiful. I'm a beautiful man. I should be the bachelor. <laughs> he is a beautiful man. Oh, okay. He turned um, down the bachelor twice. I mean, imagine turning down the bachelor. Bachelor, if you're out there, I'm, I'm ready. I'm locked and loaded. Let's do this. If, and if they do a Make-A-Wish edition, I'm sure you will be first on their phone call list. Guys, if you want 50 free bucks, go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up. Make a deposit, and we will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. That's wealthpicks.com slash bets. Woo! I, the picture cracks me up. Next up, at UFC Vegas 57, we have Chris Curtis taking on Rodolfo Vieira. Chris Curtis is 28-8 and eight overall. He is 5-0 and oh in his last five. He's riding an incredible two-fight knockout streak in the UFC. Rodolfo Rivera, Vieira, is 8-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five. He's coming off a bounce-back submission win about 10 months ago, pretty inactive. And I, I want to start this off. I, I have not picked a Chris Curtis fight yet, correct? So have you I? might want to fade me. You might want to fade me. Oh, because I picked both of them correct. Thank you. Con congratulations. I have not picked a Chris Curtis fight yet. I, I so, picked them both correct. We're going to do my best. 
And there's a ton of tape on Chris Curtis out there. He's fought in the PFL, fought in the UFC now. Like he's fought in a lot of promotions with some high-quality video content out there, and I've watched all of it. So hopefully I'm going to get this one this time. But he has nice clean boxing, decent takedown defense, and he has improved takedown offense as well. He has solid power in his hands, and it comes from clean, short punches. And that's how he's catching people off guard because he's not these big loops. They're nice little short punches. He works solid leg kicks, and he'll touch up the body as well. He takes his time with his shots, but he's always moving his body to stay out of the way or to set something up. We've seen him struggle with pure wrestlers, but we've also seen him have incredible success against two wrestlers in the UFC, Phil Hawes and Brendan Allen, that really didn't even get the chance to wrestle at all because Chris knocked him out. Rodolfo Vieira is a massive guy at 185. He's crazy strong. He has world-level jiu-jitsu. The knock on him was always his cardio, and that was never more apparent than when he dominated Anthony Hernandez and then gassed worse than any other human being has ever gassed doing anything ever. And he ultimately gave up and was submitted by somebody who, yes, on paper is a black belt, but like they should be worlds apart in the grappling. But I say the knock was and not the knock is because Rodolfo seems to have taken care of his cardio. He just pulled off a late third round submission win over Dustin Stolzfist where he had three takedowns, pretty busy striking, and he didn't gas. Rodolfo Vieira is a freak athlete, so expect him to have power in his hands, good offensive takedowns, but even with improved cardio, I'm not going to bank on the fact that he'll be fresh, fresh in the third round. This is definitely striker versus grappler in its purest form. And normally I side with grapplers in these matchups. I am on the Chris Curtis side this time around. He's proven that his power carries to the UFC. He's proven that he can defend takedowns. He defended all three of Brendan Allen's attempts, all three of Phil Hawes' attempts. I do think he actually will get taken down in this fight, but I, I expect him to avoid the submission, work back to his feet, and let his hands go any chance he gets. Chris Curtis is the pick. I've got a money line bet on him. I got it at minus 158, so a little worse than the odds now. Um, I'm hoping to be on the right side of a Chris Curtis pick, and if I'm not, then that's it. I'm never going to pick a Chris Curtis fight again. What do you think, Jakey? Oh, I have another bet. Sorry. I also have the over one and a half rounds at plus 135. I don't, I do not think one and a half is surprisingly low. I get it. Rodolfo, dangerous striker. Chris Curtis is knocking people out. I, you know, he's also kind of a low volume guy and he's knocking people out who are coming forward. And Rodolfo may not be coming forward like that, ready to get knocked out. So I do like over one and a half and I got it at plus money. What do you think, Jicky Boy? Listen, I've been. Back, I uh, literally back and forth and back and forth on this fight because it is such a dynamic and interesting matchup. Um, it's one of those. It's like no matter what happens, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, I knew that was gonna happen, right?" If if Rodolfo comes, shoots a double leg, submits him, it's like, "Of course he did that." If he if Chris Curtis comes across and knocks him out, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, we all we knew that was gonna happen." It's such a dynamic matchup. I actually think that the the Anthony Hernandez fight really, I think it almost ruined Rodolfo because. I think for him to be successful, he needs to be the aggressive grappler, not worry about his cardio, just be that shooting a double, let me get you out of that fight. And in that last fight, I know he ended up winning that decision, but he came out and was super laid back, didn't even try to grapple really until the second or third round. I know it paid off for him, 
Um, and he was able to have really good success. His striking actually looked pretty good. He had a super snappy jab. They were complimenting his jab. His uh, his striking defense, he had a nice high guard up, which is very important for this fight against uh, Chris Curtis. But when you take into the fact that if he tries to strike, it, it worked against um, Stolfus. But I don't think he can mess around by throwing jabs out against Chris Curtis because he is a boxer that will also go to the body. That's how he hurt Brendan Allen was he started ripping the body and that opened up shots for the head to get the the knockout. And against Rodolfo, especially with cardio issues you've seen in the past, if Chris Curtis gets in there in the pocket and starts ripping body, it could be it could be an early night for Rodolfo. So I understand if people want to play the Rodolfo side, if he comes in aggressive, shoots a double, gets him down. We saw Brendan Allen in the Chris Curtis fight. He got he got Chris Curtis's back inside. Of tw- it took him 27 seconds to shoot and transition to get his back. And obviously Chris Curtis got him off. Rodolfo's a little bit different if he gets on your back in that situation. So that worries me a little bit. Um, I like the body shots from Chris Curtis in the situation. And the thing that separates this for me is Rodolfo is kind of a head case. He has mentioned, he's talked about, and he's very open. I'm sure there's a lot more fighters like him. And he said, like, maybe I'm just the only honest person. He says every time he steps in the octagon, he is scared to death to fight. He does not like fighting. He's scared to death when he enters the octagon. And I think that's what you see in that passive um, way in his last fight. I, he came out and got too aggressive and got caught. And that was an embarrassing loss for him, for him to be that accomplished grappler to get submitted like that. And he came out and it was like almost really tentative and hesitant in that last fight. If, if I'm Rodolfo to win this fight, I just come in, blast doubles, get this to the fight, and try to finish in the first round. I don't think he does that. I think he tries to pace himself, and I think he finds some issues in in the striking while he's trying to pace himself. So, you know, I got to go with the action man again with Chris Curtis. Um, I, I think he finds some good body shots early, wears him down, and, and finds that head uh, later as well. I agree. I think the over one and a half is probably the play because Chris Curtis is also a guy that will kind of sit there and wait, right? And Rodolfo, he wants to pace himself as well. So I like that one and a half play that you got. My picks would be the, uh, the action man, Chris Curtis. Yeah, and I mean, there's definitely going to be, it'll be interesting. There's definitely going to be a size difference because Chris Curtis is a welterweight. He was a welterweight outside of the UFC. The only reason he is at 85 is because he accepted a short notice fight against Phil Hawes. And that was supposed to be at 185. And then that fight fell apart because Phil Hawes said, no, I'm not doing it. And then they rebooked it like a couple weeks later or something like that. And they just did it at 185. And so whatever reason, Chris Curtis is staying there. He's obviously had success two fights in a row. There's no reason not to be there. But Rodolfo Vieira is a massive. Oh, I see that. Chris Curtis got him off. Wow. Look at Angela's cracking jokes. You're disgusting, Jacob. Disgusting. Anyway, 8,600 bucks. Listen, if Chris Curtis does in this fight what he did in his last two, $8,600 is worth every nickel. Every nickel. The problem is if Chris Curtis doesn't get a knockout, which I don't know if he's going to, honestly, if he doesn't get a knockout, he's not worth that money in DraftKings because he's kind of a low volume guy. Phil Hawes outstruck him. But like volume wise, until he got caught. So Chris Curtis waits for you. And like you said, if Rodolfo Vieira is going to take his time because he's worried about his own cardio, then yeah, it's not going to be a high volume fight. There's not, Chris Curtis isn't getting any takedowns and he may not be able to find the chin and, and get the knockout. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to have Chris Curtis in my DraftKings lineup, even though I have a bet on him. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think every person I don't like in DraftKings, I don't know what the hell my lineup's going to look like because all the favorites, you know, I, I pick a lot of favorites, but there's a lot of live dogs. And obviously, Rodolfo is, has such the advantage on the ground. Who knows what the hell's going to happen? So I'm staying away from this one completely. I was even trying to look for a bet on this one. I'm like, I can't, because no matter what, anything could happen. Literally, this anything. I don't I know if you. I answered your question. 
Never. Yeah, you said you didn't love it at 8600 bucks. Listen, the Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 54 to 42, it's a tricky one. I actually do think it'll be more and more. And, and I could be reading this entirely wrong. I think this fight, I don't think it's, it might not make it all the way to a decision. It might make it to a decision. I don't think this is, I think the one and a half round line is a bit surprising. Because Chris Curtis, I think 28 and 8. And yes, he's, you know, he's, he's lost before. But he's got worlds of MMA experience, and he can survive some of the ground game. And Rodolfo Vieira, like, you know, we haven't really seen his chin tested yet. But I imagine he'll be diving at legs, and I don't know if Chris Curtis is just going to knock him out cold. Because it's also, you know, the Chris Curtis cat is out of the bag, right? Brendan Allen was like, eh, that was a fluke what happened to Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes definitely wasn't expecting that. You know what I mean? So I think the cat's out of the bag a little bit. Look what just happened to their buddy, uh, Paulo uh, Fialo. Not Paulo Fialo, but what the hell is his first That'd name? That'd be a great name, Paulo Fialo. Yeah. Andre. Andre. Uh, look at happened to Andre Fialo. Came in. He lost his first fight, but then knocked a couple people out. Cat's out of the bag. Dude has power. Might be a little more of the same here. I do like Chris Curtis to win because Rodolfo's got terrible stand-up. And his cardio is improved, eh, it's not, but it's not terrible. It's not terrible anymore. I'll, I'll it's tell you that. terrible compared to Chris Curtis's. I, I don't know. I wouldn't use terrible at all. He looked uh, his striking was pretty pretty crisp last fight. Right, well, anyway, I am on Chris Curtis to win. Monkey knife fight strike line. Listen, if you if you agree with me and you think it's going to go a little bit more and more is definitely the play. Go to wewantpicks.com/mkf. They will instantly match your deposit up to. $100, and if you want 50 free bucks, wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit, and we will send you $50 as a thank you. Next up, at UFC Vegas 57, we have Umar Nurmagomedov taking on Nate Maness. Umar Nurmagomedov is a 14-0. Maness. Nate Mans. I think it's Maness. I think it's Maness. It's Manus. Umar Namagamadov is 14-0 Anus. in his career, and he's coming off a quick win over Brian Kelleher, Nate Maness. What's your favorite uh, planet? Is 14-1. He's 4-1 in his last five, coming off a TKO win over Tony Gravely. And Umar Namagamadov is exactly the type of fighter you expect him to be with that last name. He has only two fights in the UFC, but he's already racked up six takedowns. Five minutes of control time and two rear naked chokes. His striking is okay, but his wrestling is fantastic. He uses kicks really well to stay out of range. And then he comes charging in with his wrestling and he looks for those takedowns. If he misses the first, he'll transition to the second. And he just has amazing, amazing chain wrestling from there. Nate Maness is one of the bigger guys in the division. He's got plenty of experience fighting pure wrestlers. He's coming off that great knockout win over Tony Gravely where he defended five takedowns and had one of his own. And in fact, he has three fights in the UFC with three wins and a takedown in every single one of them. He's a well-rounded guy with solid submission, solid power, and good kickboxing. He's very tough and he's willing to slug it out. Umar is a massive favorite coming into this fight i get it i totally understand why he's an undefeated wrestling beast with the right amount of cauliflower ear and the right last name nate maness is not brian kelleher though he's not a guy that you can take down and just submit he's not a guy that's going to shy away from the grappling or be afraid to initiate his own takedowns and his own grappling exchanges so while i'm not going to pick maness here 
I don't think this is the first round destruction that everybody thinks it's going to be. I think Nate Maness, he's going to earn a lot of respect in this loss. It might be a back and forth fight. I think this is the first true test of Umar Nurmagomedov's career. Because of that, I'm not going to bet on it. Because I do think he wins. The odds are insane to go money line. I'm not going to sell the rounds. You hear us talk about the sell the round bet all the time. I'm not going to sell the rounds because Nate might be able to steal one. I don't know. Or Umar is going to come in here and just smoke that dude and, you know, look like the next Khabib. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to do anything against Umar until he shows any sign of weakness. Uh, to me, and, and tell me, Angela, if you agree. When I watch him, because everyone thinks they see the last name and they think he's just a grappler, right? Just wrestler, wrestler, wrestler. And you heard Joe Rogan talk about in, in his last fight. His strikes are second to none. Or right, let me his kicks. His kicks yeah, are second kick. to none. His, his kicks are unreal. And Khabib's talked about if he can get his his hands even half to where his kicks are, um, he is going to be a big problem. And when I watch him, I, I think of another guy who is an incredible wrestler, incredible grappler, who is also... Oh, my God. I can't even get it out. I can't even get it out. Who also is a fantastic <laughs> kicker, and that is Ryan. He is basically Ryan Hall reincarnated. Reincar- reincarnated? Did Ryan Hall die? Uh, yeah, I think his ACL did. Uh, did. Yeah. I think he's put somebody said he's going to be on Joe Rogan. Can't wait for that. That's going to be a bottle of lotion for right. me. Um, <laughs> it's going to be, <laughs> it's, uh, it, he's basically Ryan Hall too. Anyway, let me get back to the breakdown until Umar <laughs> proves me wrong. I, I got to go with them. And I know the odds have ballooned to minus 1200. It's crazy. I found in minus 170 for inside the distance. I put 1.7 units, um, to get a unit back for inside the distance until somebody shows that they can stand up to this kid. Uh, I'm going to go all in on inside the distance bets for him. And if I lose it, that's fine. I think he dominates this fight. Obviously, Nate Manis is 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 a willing opponent. You know, as you mentioned, you have decent offensive wrestling and uh, deep, or, uh, uh, defensive wrestling as well. There might be some issues. Only a blue belt? A little bit concerning. What I will notice is... <laughs> I will say um, the thing that I noticed the most is that Tony Gravely fight. The thing that the takeaway from that fight was after he knocked out Tony Gravely, Tony Gravely took a shot on Keith Peterson. And God damn, does Keith Peterson have a good sprawl, man? That guy's got good takedown defense. Tony Gravely was knocked out, went for his leg. The, the Keith Peterson sprawl was there. Didn't get the takedown on Keith Peterson. Look out for Keith Peterson in the uh, the Adam Weight division uh, coming up. So I'm Umar all the way. So uh, let's talk about the, uh, we talk about buying rounds, selling rounds, the plus three and a half bet, the minus three and a half bet. If you watch this, 200 of you watching right now. And if you watch this, you've heard us do those bets before. I like the sell a round. You sell three and a half points on a judge's scorecard. Basically, your fighter needs to win a unanimous 30-27 or win inside the distance. You can get some really good odds on that. So I'm looking at them now. It takes Umar from minus 850, nobody cares about Ryan Hall. It They're takes about Umar, trading cards in the chat, thank you. It takes Ryan Hall, uh, Jesus Christ. Oh, it takes yeah. Umar Namagamadov Umar from minus 850 to minus 450. So if you think he wins a dominant 30-27 or inside the distance, you can get that at minus 450, which is solid, right? Because Umar inside the distance... Is, is a little different, and this covers all those bases. If you think Nate Maness can win one round, Manus. if if he could just win one round and not get finished, 
You can get him at plus 325, which is stupid. I wouldn't do that bet. But anyway, I'm not grabbing either one because I do think Nate is super tough. But that's where this is the exact fight that you would use a minus, you know, sell some rounds, sell some points. It's not bad. I, 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 inside the distance, minus 170 for a 1200 favorite. Take that all day. 800 minus 850 favorite. Uh, Uh, It's 1200 right now. Go ahead and look it up. Show it on the screen. That's crazy that I already closed it, but that's crazy because I did these graphics about three hours ago. Anyway, Umar Namagamanov, $9,500 in DraftKings. Probably, probably, right? He may get the finish, definitely the grappling. So he's probably worth it in DraftKings. And like Jacob said, until he lets you down, how could you? How Ride could you? Against him? Choo, choo. Come on, I'm not picking train. against the guy. I'm just Come saying, Nate Maness is. Come on, ride the train. Okay, you're Get a mess ready. right now. Oh. Um, Monkey Knife by Strike Line. This is another one I'm not touching. You're legit getting muted. It's another one that I'm. Yeah, there it is. Muted. Mute it's another oh. one. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm not touching this Monkey Knife by Strike Line because, again, Nate is super tough, but. Umar could submit him in 30 seconds. It could go the distance. You know, I'm not 100% positive. What do you think of the monkey knife by strike line? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough line because this this is definitely the toughest fight. Jesse, Jesse said less, less. I'm going less, less. less. I'll go less, it, less. It, it, pro- it, it probably is. And maybe I'm giving Nate a little too much credit right now. We want picks.com. We want picks.com. Shut up. We want picks.com slash bets. That was, that, was the dad, that was the dad voice. Sign up, make a deposit, and we will send you 50 bucks as a thank you. We want picks.com slash bets. Put my nose in the corner. <laughs> like your dog. Next up at UFC Vegas 57, we have Tiago Moises taking on Christos Gallegos. Tiago Moises is 15 and 6 overall, 3 and 2 in his last five. Coming off two losses in a row. Christos Gallegos is 19-9 overall, 3-2 in his last five. And he's coming off a TKO loss about eight months ago. And Tiago Moises is a good technical striker and a very good BJJ black belt. He's coming off a bad loss to Joel Alvarez and before that a bad loss to Islam. But the reality is that both of those guys can be killers. And Tiago actually looked okay for a minute in that Alvarez fight. He had clean boxing. He landed a few strikes. And it wasn't until he started chasing, looking for a knockout, chasing with some power and some big sloppy overhands that Joel actually caught him and finished him. At his heart, Tiago is a grappler who mixes in low kicks well, and he uses them to set up his takedowns. Christos Gallegos is a grappler who has proven he's never out of a fight. He's coming off a loss to Armin Sarukian, but before that, he beat Sean Soriano in a fight where he was able to beat up, beat him up pretty bad and definitely looked like he was going to be stopped. But he survived, put it together in the second, and he pulled off a Darce choke. He's very good grappler with tricks up his sleeves. He's had two poor striking performances in a row, but he does have impressive speed, and he's so unorthodox that even with winging punches, he can catch you clean. And I'm going with Tiago Moises here. He's on a two-fight skid, but the loss to Islam, that, that's honestly inevitable at this weight class. And the Joel Alvarez loss is he was chasing. He touched him a few times, got way too excited, started chasing, and he got lit up there. 
I, I don't think that that happens here. I think Tiago's technical striking can run circles around Christos. And when they get to the ground, I think Tiago's going to be the better pure grappler. So Tiago Moises is the pick. But I was definitely hoping that having two losses in a row, two stoppage losses in a row, I'd get a better price on him. Because minus 230, it's probably still good money because I do think he's, you know, much better than Christos. But I don't love it. I was hoping for a discount. What do you think? Jicky boy. No, I think I think you absolutely nailed it, especially in referencing the uh, the Joel Alvarez fight. I think he first of all he was I think he was surprised and taken off guard by the striking of Joel because he's known as the the off your back submission throw up triangle type guy. And when he he started touching him up, a hundred percent, he got way too aggressive and started getting caught. I think the length was kind of an issue as well. Joel was a very very tall, lengthy guy. He was throwing some wild elbows in there. Um, and once he started getting hurt, Tiago was like, "Holy shit! What this isn't? This guy is not supposed to be touching me like this." And he was definitely throwing off his game, um, which I think is an anomaly, right? I, I think he was surprised by that. He came in aggressive. Um, this is I'm a Tiago Moises guy. I, I'm a big Tiago Moises fan. If you lose this fight, it's like, I don't know where you go in your career. This is not a fight you should lose because you should have the wrestling advantage. You should have the striking advantage. As long as you don't get over aggressive, as Angel mentioned, you should have no problems with this fight. I know that's no disrespect to uh, Christos. He's a good fighter. He switches stances. He's dynamic. When he's southpaw, that's when he's going to take his shots. Um, just like those wrestlers do. They like that front, right, that, uh, right front foot forward, right? Forward. That's a little bit of a tongue twister there, but uh, he will switch stances and he will take some offensive wrestling. If uh, if I'm Tiago, I, I I don't think I mess around with the wrestling. If he wants to, he should win those. But I think the striking is where if he just stays technical in the striking, you know, Christos is a guy that does get hit. The opportunities will be there. Uh, just don't overextend and find yourself with some issues. Um, so that's why the odds are that are the way they are. I agree, which. I'd be a little bit wide, but I'm a Tiago guy. He sh- he should pretty much dominate this fight. We'll see what happens. Uh, Tiago's going to be my pick. Yeah, so we're both on the Moises side. I, like I said, I wish I would get better odds here. The guy was finished two fights in a row, and I just walked through the caveats for those finishes, but I, I was hoping the bookies would, uh, would give us a discount, but they're not. $9,000 in DraftKings. Again, it's tricky. I'm not loving these super expensive fighters because – I don't think Tiago's going to get a finish here necessarily, and I agree with you. I think it ends up Tiago's going to showcase his striking, which is very good. It's technical, it's fast, it's clean. I think he's going to showcase his striking, but Christos is tough, so I don't think he's going to put him away. And without the grappling exchanges, without a finish, I don't know if he's going to earn 100-something points, which is what you want out of a $9,000 fighter. You agree? Or you yeah, like him at 9000 no, it's, I'm telling you, every time I look at a favor, I'm like, eh, I don't love them in my DraftKings, but I got to put somebody in there, so we'll see how it works out. Yeah. But yeah, I don't, I don't love them at, at 9,000 either, honestly. Yeah, it, it's definitely tricky. Uh, Monkey Knife, I strike line 52 to 40. I think that's a more and more. I think last card, we had all finishes. This card feels like a lot of decisions. We got a lot of non-finishers on this card, a lot of pretty even matchups. So I don't think this card is is UFC Austin. I don't think we're going to get the six finishes or nine finishes, the, whatever uh, it back was. Back in the Apex, too, which it does affect. I mean, it does affect the crowd, uh, juices people up. Yeah, 100% true. Yeah, there's not really a crowd in there. So anyway, I do think it's a decision, which means I like the more and more on Monkey Knife Fight. And if you want to check that out, it's Daily Fantasy. It's super easy. It's an app on your phone. It's a website. WeWantPicks.com slash MKF. They will instantly match your deposit. You give them 100 bucks, they'll give you 100 Take the free money, the money they give you, and bet on some of these lines. More and more. If you lose, I who think cares? This is, it was their money. Yeah, it wasn't I yours. think this is one of the more obvious more and more, honestly. 
I, I agree. I think it definitely – neither one of these guys are – they both have finishes, but neither one of these guys is like a true go out there and just murder people, especially in this tight matchup. It is grappler versus grappler, essentially, with Tiago having the better striking. If you want 50 free bucks, we want picks.com slash bets. Sign up, make a deposit, and we send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Next up at UFC Vegas 57, we have two heavyweight strikers that both lost to my buddy, Parker Porter. We got Josh Parisian taking on Alan Badeau. Josh Parisian is 14-5 and five overall, 3-2 and two in his last five, coming off a TKO loss to Dante Mays. Alan Badeau is 8-3 and three overall. I'm laughing at Chris... Chris's I know, that's, why, that's why I was laughing as well. <laughs> Horrible monkey life. Anybody <laughs> who's watching this on replay, Chris Riley, who sets the monkey knife fight strike lines, just agreed that, that the last line we broke down was not very good. So you better it's sign up and jump on it. You better sign <laughs> yeah, up yeah. and jump on it then. Uh, Alan Badeau is 8-3 and three overall, 2-2-1 two, two and one in his last five, and he's looking for his first UFC win. Josh Parisian is a come-forward striker with a ton of output. And in fact, if you go back to his fight with my buddy Parker Porter, they literally set the UFC significant strike record in that fight. It was just a constant forward pressure and a ton of punches from Josh Parisian. And that does come at a cost, though. He gasses. And even if he doesn't completely slow down, he definitely loses the sting on those punches. Josh has 10 knockouts under his belt but he hasn't been able to find that power in the UFC. Last time I broke Josh down, I asked Parker, I said, Josh has 10 knockouts. Did you feel that in there? And he basically, you know, Parker was like, listen, obviously he didn't put me out. He didn't wobble me, but a couple of those definitely, I definitely felt a few of them. Uh, Alan Badeau is a competent striker who has only seen the judges scorecard one single time. He comes out in every fight, absolutely ready to go. He plants his feet and he lets his hands fly. He'll throw anything at any angle. And that includes spinning attacks. He has legit power and will risk getting KO'd to chase his own KO. His takedown defense is solid at 75%. But if you're able to take him down, he is at a clear disadvantage against almost anybody. And it's actually a tricky fight because Josh definitely has the volume and his record says he has the power, but we just haven't seen it yet. Alan Badeau hasn't gotten a UFC win yet, but he has had some tough competition. Tom Aspinall was his UFC debut. And I think Alan's the more dangerous. I've heard that guy. I've heard that guy's pretty good. Mediocre. Alan is more dangerous, but I'm going to go with Josh here. I, I like him to have the volume, have the pressure forward, potentially work in a takedown like he did against Roque Martinez and that win. So I like Josh Parisian here. I, and I don't know how Alan Badeau's a favorite. I, I actually have literally no idea how Alan Badeau is a favorite in this fight. I, I may end up putting a money line bet on Josh here because I'm pretty confident that he gets this done. What do you think, Jake Lutz? No, I, te I texted you the same thing while I was doing my research. I was breaking it down, and all of a sudden I looked at the odds because I do my research, and then you look at the odds. That way the odds don't really sway your, what you're thinking. I thought Parisian was going to be a two-to-one favorite, and he was the dog. He was actually plus money, I think, when I looked at it. It's, now it's pretty much of a pick -em now, but I was like, holy shit. Um, I... I don't trust heavyweights, so I, I I don't think I'll ever put a money line bet on heavyweights unless it's like something crazy, a, a weird matchup. Because you know anything can happen with these big guys. You know, Allen is a is, is a big striker, but he's just sloppy, man. When when I watch his strikes, it's like 
throwing these weird shots, like these overhand, like half looping, half straight rights that are just kind of weird. And in the clinch, I think he struggles as well, which I, I know Josh Parisian, I think in his last matchup, kind of got not dominated in the clinch, but got controlled in the clinch against a smaller guy. Where in this matchup, I think that he has the experience that if it is a clinch cage situation where I think this is just a sloppy mess of a fight where they're just kind of laying on each other, I think Josh can control the, kind of that cage with his experience um, in those instances. And for that, I, I got to go with Josh this matchup. I think he's he's much um, more of a... Um, I don't know what's a word I'm looking for, but a more technical striker is the word the word I'm looking for in this matchup, and he should be able to get this uh, get this done. I, I'm not going to put money on it because I think this is a, just a sloppy mess where anything weird can happen. But this should be again. I, I keep saying it, but this feels like it's Josh's fight to lose. So uh, I'm going Josh. I'm surprised the odds. If you guys want to take a flyer, I, I don't blame you. Like so, if Angelo he's talking about putting, but I, I don't blame you. I don't trust heavyweights, but I don't blame him if he's putting money on Josh Parisian. He's going to be my pick as well. Yeah, and I, obviously I haven't done it yet. I just I look at the odds, and I'm like, you know, if if I were to set these odds myself, I like you said, I think Josh would be a, a minus two hundred. I think he's a two should be a two to one favorite. He has had some success in the UFC. He's had you know he's he's had moments like he's done well, and Allen hasn't at all. So you know, I just maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but. I like Josh to win, and the odds were surprising. And anytime you see that, it, it, it makes you want to throw a couple bucks on there. But, you know, $8,400 in DraftKings, maybe. I think he's a two-to-one favorite. So maybe. I'll have to see how my DraftKings lineup works out. But my only issue here is I, I don't think there's going to be... Listen, he took down... Josh Parisian took down Roque Martinez. And he has some good control time. If you take down Alan Badeau, you'll be fine. You can hold him there. You can hang out there. So I think Josh Parisian can take down... Alan Badeau and rack up some control time and score for you in DraftKings. So I don't know. I haven't done my lineup yet, obviously, but $8,400, he may, he may be in there. Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, I think it's a more and more. I mentioned if we go back, I think um, Josh Parisian, if you look at it, I got thrown off by that comment. If we go back, Josh Parisian set the UFC significant strike record with Parker, right? He was in, Parker set the record, but it was in that fight. So I like Josh Parisian to win this fight. I like Josh Parisian to get past this strike line. So more and more for Monkey Knife. What do you think, Jakey Boy? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna uh, argue against you. I yeah. So we will see what happens here. And if you want to check that out, weonpicks.com/mkf. Sign up, make a deposit. We'll send you. They will. What did I do, MPF? Yeah, they will instantly match your deposit. Weonpicks.com slash bets. Sign up, <laughs> make a deposit, and I will send you 50 bucks. And yes, just a PSA to the live chat. Anybody in the live chat under 18 years old, you need to be wearing clothing. Head to toe, shirt, the whole nine. We're not getting shut down by the government. Next up. At UFC Vegas 57, we have the co-main event of the evening. We have Neil Magny taking on Shavkat Rachmanov. Neil Magny is 26-9 overall, 4-1 in his last five, riding a two-fight win streak. Shavkat Rachmanov is 15-0, 15-0 with 15 finishes and three wins in the UFC. And the co-main event and the main event on this card are absolute bangers. These are fantastic matchups. We got 
Neil Magny, he's an incredibly well-rounded and often overlooked fighter. He's very tough, very experienced. He's hard to put into a bucket because he's basically skilled everywhere. But if you have to choose a style, I'd say he's a striker. He's a busy, come-forward striker. But he also has solid grappling game and averages almost three takedowns per fight. He's coming off a controversial win over Max Griffin where he landed more total strikes, but fewer significant strikes and only went one for nine in takedowns. Shavkat Rachmanov is special. He's one of those guys that when you watch him fight, you know he'll be doing big things in the sport. He's 15-0 with a 100% finish rate. He's knocking people out on his feet. He's taking people down and submitting them. He's even doing what Jacob absolutely hates, which is jumping to guillotine and getting those as well. He can literally win a fight anywhere. He's very hard to hit. He's got a ton of power for his size, and he has solid defensive wrestling and judo. He's very active when he gets to the ground, and this is definitely going to be the toughest test of his career. Neil Magny's a very good fighter. He's got 26 fights in the UFC with wins over Kelvin Gastelum, Hector Lombard when Hector was still a killer, former champion Johnny Hendricks, former champion Carlos Condit, former champion Robbie Lawler. And over those 26 fights, he has managed to maintain a positive striking differential and average more than two takedowns per fight. But I don't know if any of that matters, man. Shavkat is just something special. And if Neil Magny shows up like he did against Max Griffin or even Jeff Neal, I think Shavkat gets it done. Michael Chiesa was able to take Magny down four times last year in that fight. And I think it's kind of more the same. I like Shavkat that has some success striking, but ultimately lean on the wrestling to get it done. Jakey boy, stop flirting with the children. What do you think? Uh, yeah, let me preface this by saying I'm a big Neil Magny guy. I, I love Neil Magny. I'm glad somebody put in the chat earlier that, uh, what did he say about uh, degenerates? I like how when people make degenerate bats, bets, they say, oh, I'm taking a flyer to make it sound better for just an absolute degenerate bet. I have a degenerate bet on this fight, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Rachmanov, obviously, super, super talented. I understand and respect his talent, if he knocks out and or finishes Neil Magny in the first round, I don't think anyone's going to be surprised. I'm not going to be surprised. My pick is, uh, let me preface this too, my pick is not going to be Neil Magny. I'm not picking Neil Magny <laughs> to win the fight. I'm picking uh, Rachmanov to, to win the fight. But I'm telling you that if this gets out of the first round, Neil Magny is one of those guys that starts getting stronger and stronger as the fight goes. And Rachmanov is a guy that will engage you in the clinch. And Neil Magny loves the clinch. He doesn't even care if his back is against the cage. He just loves when somebody is right there. He can get takedowns out of those situations. He gets to that Muay Thai clinch. He throws knees and elbows in the situation. Unfortunately, Rachmanov is another guy that also loves the clinch. If he gets you in the clinch against the fence, he is going to absolutely punish you. So I don't love that feel for Neil Magny. Um... But Rachmanov is a guy that has a, he doesn't have three round experience. He just he I mean because he finishes everyone. That's a good thing to have is you don't see the third round because he finished people. I think he's got one fight in the third round. But I'm just saying, if this sits out of the first round, do not be surprised if Neil Magny starts having success in the second. Maybe steals the second and then wins the third. My degenerate bet for this is I put a half unit on Neil Magny winning by points. At plus 500. I know it's a wild bet. That's why I put a half unit on it. It's a flyer for sure. My pick is Makhmanov. If he wins in the first or, or finishes Neil Magny, I, I, I'm not going to be surprised. But 
I put a little bit of flyer on Neil Magny because I, I love my dude. I, I stick with my guys through thick and thin. I'm a big Neil Magny guy. Uh, if he comes out and, and finds a way to win this fight, it'll be incredibly impressive, and people will finally show him the respect that he uh, rightfully deserves. But my pick is going to be Rachmanov, and um, he's a he's a, a talented, talented dude for sure. Yeah, I'm 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 surprised. The odds, I don't know. I don't know if I'm surprised. Right, I, I'm either surprised the odds are closer than I thought they would be, or I'm surprised they're far apart. And I could convince myself of either one of those because I think Shavkat's the real deal. And Neil Magny looked trash in his last fight. But I rattled off all the people Neil Magny beat. Johnny Hendricks, Robbie Lawler, Carlos Condit, literally former world champions. He seems he to be one of those guys that, that shows up. When, when it's time to show up, he, uh, he shows up. So don't, yeah, don't be surprised if this turns into a competition. Yeah, don't be surprised if, he, if this turns into a, a dogfight, guys. Don't, don't think that he's going to run through it. And obviously he could you know, with his dynamic striking, but this could turn into a dogfight. Yeah, I mean, I think Shafkat does whatever he wants, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pretend that Neil Magny's not good. The guy's fantastic. He had a, I think he looked pretty poor in his last two fights, but you know, we'll, we'll see. He still won those two fights, so um, should be an interesting fight. Sixty nine hundred and ninety three hundred. I think, I think Shafkat's worth the ninety three hundred dollars. Probably, yeah. Because yeah, okay. I, yeah, I've been, I've been, I was gonna try and make an argument against it, but I've looked at, it, I mean, every single person that's been a favorite, I've been like, eh, eh, eh. But yeah, it's probably be him and Umar at the top, and then uh, we'll see how the rest of the lineups work out. Yeah, yeah, legit. I mean, it, it, it probably is those two, and then there's so many underdogs that could. It, I like most of the favorites on this card, but not enough to spend nine thousand dollars in DraftKings right. essentially. The total strike line, I don't know. Don't touch it. I'm here trying to make money, trying to push. I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. Because Shavkat could, could end 15-0 with 15 stoppages. But Neil Magny, I just listed off, beat three former champions. I, I don't know. I'm not touching the strike line. Yeah, what's the odds for it does not go the distance on this fight? Hold on. Let me check it real quick. All right. Well, while you check that, everybody else should go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up and make a deposit. We'll send you 50 bucks. As minus a thank 190. You, it's slash bets. Minus 190 that the fight does not does. go the distance. For a guy that's got all know, those man. early finishes. That, that's putting a little bit of respect I know, but for Neil me, Magny's honestly. tough, though. Yeah, that is. That's what I'm saying. That's uh, You would think that those odds would be minus 300, something like that. I mean, so that's showing a little bit of respect for Neil, which I appreciate that. Yeah, it'll be um, it, it'll be a fun fight. It's a killer co-main, and let's move on to the main, which is also... A killer. Next up at UFC Vegas 57, we have the main event of the evening. Armin Sarukian taking on Mateus Gamron. Armin Sarukian is 18 and 2 overall, 5 and 0 in his last five, coming off the destruction of Joel Alvarez. And Mateus Gamron is 20 and 1 in his career, 4 and 1 in his last five. With one that one loss being a controversial decision to Garam, who we just saw last week. Listen, last time I broke down Armin Sarukian, I said he beats Joel Alvarez 99 out of 100 times. And you people, <laughs> the same ones in the live chat, came for my head. Every, yeah, I literally have, every person that's going to be like, Armin, easy money, easy money, literally was saying, oh, he's going to get submitted by Joel Alvarez. It was, I have never seen like people attacked me personally people went nuts when i said armin sarukian smokes joel went i've never seen anything like it 
And then he went out there and he beat the brakes off Joel Alvarez to the point where it was very clear Armin Sarukian smokes Joel Alvarez 99 out of 100 times. Anyway, Armin Sarukian is the favorite in this fight as well. But this is a very different fight than the Joel Alvarez. And what's crazy is these odds are basically the same as they were in the Joel Alvarez fight. And Mateus Cameron is 100 times the fighter that Joel Alvarez is. Armin is an incredible wrestler who has managed to piece together a very nice striking game as well. He uses nice footwork and setups for both his strikes and his takedowns. He's athletic and he'll mix in kicks very fluidly. If you check out some of his fights, you'll see him throw a straight right left high kick combo, which is just absolutely incredible. Every fight he comes out, it is clear that he has added tools to his bag and his only loss since 2016 was to Islam who was able to take Armin down four times and is the only person in the UFC who has taken him down at all. But he's fighting another dominant wrestler here, so that may change. Mateus Gamera is a nasty wrestler with good striking and a diverse set of attacks. He doesn't have incredible power, but he's busy and diverse, which sets up his stoppages. He knocked out Scott's Holt, Scott Holtzman, who's primarily a striker, and he did that with speed. And he knocked out Diego Fajeda with a great knee. And the moral of the story is, he can out-wrestle almost everyone in the division and has the ability to knock out maybe half the division. And he could potentially be a future champion. And this is a really, really tough fight to pick because these guys are almost mirror images of each other. Both are incredible wrestlers with improving hands. They both have dominant wins. So let's look at their losses. Saruki lost to Islam, which is obviously a very credible loss, but he was taken down four times in that fight. Gamrat lost to Garam in a fight where he got five of his own takedowns and he landed more total strikes. So in this wrestler versus wrestler matchup, one of these men were out-wrestled in a fight and the other one has not. And I just really don't know what to do here. And I'm just shocked that Armin is as big of a favorite as he is. And, and I, I thought this would be super close. I really thought this would be basically a pick -em coming into this before I looked at the odds. And I think I'm going to side with Armin here, even though he was out-wrestled by Islam. He doesn't have another fight where he struggled with takedowns, where Gamrot does have a few. He only went 5 of 16 against Garam, 2 of 5 against Holtzman, and Holtzman only has a 60% takedown defense. So I like Sarukian to win this fight, but the bet... I'm probably going to buy some points. I was hoping to be plus five and a half, but Bet Online did plus three and a half. I'm probably going to buy some points for Mateus Gamron. I think this is a decision. I don't think it's it's probably a unanimous decision, but I think it's I think it's a close decision here. So I like Armin to win, but I think it's a tough fight, and I hate these money line odds. What do you think, Jakey boy? Yeah, I, I actually uh, Big Bert put it in the chat. I had the same bet. I put a unit on plus one hundred that this goes to a decision. I think it's a pick 'em fight, and I am tired, so sick and tired on Twitter and the, the comments of the goddamn disrespect that people are showing to my dude Gamrot because this guy is an assassin where Armin is like a low level criminal the way that he fights. Gamrot is a finisher aggressive, explosive, where Armin is just kind of this plotting, 
you know, he's he's a, he's, he's a good grappler, oh, a good yeah. wrestler, but it's more of like a, you know, push you against the cage and then work for a, a single leg, maybe go back to a double, then back to a single, and then put you on your butt, then grind. Where Gamera is literally ankle pick. You don't see people ankle picking people in MMA. Um, DC has talked about it because people don't do it because you don't. There's no shoe to grab onto. He just grabs the. He is so explosive. He goes and grabs the back of people's ankles and just flips them upside down and then goes in for the absolute kill. The Islam fight for Armin, I don't know what people are watching. I just rewatched that fight. I know he's like, oh, he got he's the only person to take down Islam. It was like not even a real takedown. Islam I, I, never... I don't even care. I re- I use the Islam in the opposite. Say he was dominated with wrestling and he's fighting a wrestler. I agree. Some people are like, oh, he took down Islam. It doesn't no, matter. That's what, he that's, was taken yeah, down four times. That's exactly what I was going to say. It, uh, he, oh, he took down Islam. He, Islam was never in trouble in that fight at all. And Islam literally dominated that fight to where Armin in the third round was like against the cage or down on a knee looking at his corner like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't think it's going to be the same situation, but the odds for this are crazy. The disrespect that Gamrod is getting is just insane. This is a complete pick em fight. Pick your side in this matchup, but... I'm going with my guy Gamrot. I, I got to stick with my dude Gamrot. He he just seems like the more explosive guy. And obviously Armin has the abilities to slow the fight down with his methodical wrestling and grappling. But Gamrot is an explosive striker, throws real power into his shots, and is not afraid to take chances. In a fight where things are so even, I got to go with the more aggressive guy, not afraid to take chances. It could come back and backfire, and maybe he's on his back and gets controlled, but... I think this is a pick em fight. Uh, I'm going to probably play some money line bet on uh, on Gamrot to say I'll see how the odds that they get more wide because it seems like they're going to trend to I, getting I don't more think wide. People, get, I don't. I well, think, I think people tighten. love the 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 narrative for this fight is that Armin is just going to run through this clown Gamrot. This dude is an undefeated fighter. He, I mean, a lot of people say he won that Grom fight. I agree. I'm tired of the disrespect, guys. I, you know, maybe I look stupid here, but I'm going with Gamrot. I, I definitely think it's a close fight. I don't think Gamrot like dominates him. I know I'm talking like I think he dominates him, but I think it's a close fight. But Gamrot's the more explosive guy. I'm going with Gamrot, man. Uh, listen, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm going with Armin, but yeah, I walked through my. I'm not gonna do my whole breakdown again. I think this is a close fight. I, I am very surprised at the line. Chris Riley from Monkey Knife Fight commented that it opened up at like minus one forty. And then exploded to minus 255. So a lot of money came in. A lot of sharp money came in early and moved the line. Minus 280 now. It's dominant wrestler versus dominant wrestler. It's still moving. Minus 280. That's insane. That's so disrespectful. disrespectful. I I am. I agree. Gamera and ATT guy too. They usually have some good game plans. I mean, this is crazy. Crazy. I I, I completely agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I completely agree with you. And... You know, we're a picks channel. We break down fights. We do picks. The problem is you can't just look at the pick. You do have to listen to the analysis because, you know, I, I think I, I might get this pick wrong, but I think this is a pick and fight. Like, I, I, I think the odds are crazy, and I do think Armin wins just literally because I, I just think he's going to be able to to shoot first and push that game plan a little bit, and I think he's... You know, I, I've seen Gamrot struggle taking people down. I have not seen Armin struggle taking anybody down yet. 
And that's really what it's going to come down to for me. But either way, super close fight. I like Armin. Jake likes Gamrot. This is a pick em. And when we're looking at DraftKings, I think you need either one of these guys in your lineup. Pick your side. I understand he's $9,100. It's a lot to spend. I said it was a pick em. But this will be grappling. And it's five rounds. And I think it's a decision. So I think whoever... This may be a double up fight, frankly. There may be a ton of back and forth wrestling, a ton of back and forth striking, and you may get a ton of points out of both of these guys. So this may be a fight you want to double up, but if you're on the Gamron side, that that dude definitely needs to be in your lineup. And if you're on the Armin side, I think he earns a lineup spot as well, even without a finish. Takedowns, control time, all of that. Monkey Knife Fight Strike Line, 101 to 65. It's probably a more and more. I think this is a war. I really, And maybe I'm wrong, I, but I, I do think this is a war. I hate that it's 101 strikes. But I know Chris, uh, Chris does the math equation. Chris, <laughs> Chris, 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 the math equation. <laughs> um, no, I think on, I think man. no, I think it's a absolutely. I, I think this is a lot like the uh, what we just saw with Demir and Garam. That just the back and forth, and somebody's getting oh, somebody just got clipped, but then they recover, and then they. It's, I think it's an absolute war, a decision fight, and I'm so glad that they are highlighting young fighters and not just making main events for like these ranked older guys or whatever. These are this is I know that the outside MMA community is looking at this like who the hell are these guys but the, oh, the, the fans like everyone in the chat right now us two Bert we're all pumped for this fight yeah most of us are clothed but it's definitely it, you know it's 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 an awesome main event this the last main event was awesome this is an awesome main event I'm trying to look at the round line here somebody in the comment section said it was two and a half there's no way the four round and line's half. two and a half yeah over four and a half is minus 120 Okay, yeah. I mean, Cornholio's like over two and a half easy. Yeah, no shit. When the round's that's set at four and a half, obviously over two and a half is easy. Come on with that crap. I got excited. I'm like, did I miss something? Yeah, over two rounds is the best bet. Yeah, it's going to plus 166. There's no way it's plus one. There's no way you're getting those odds. If you take that, put your fucking house on it then. Yeah, because it's minus 120 for over four and a half. Why would fewer you can, rounds? You can bet over two and a half rounds, but there's no way it's plus money. It's not. I, I, literally... How could it be when it's minus 120 for over four and a half? The odds get worse when the rounds go down, not better. Anyway, you guys want to mess with those odds and somehow find this unicorn of a two and a half round bet with plus money? Definitely go do that. Go to wewantpicks.com slash bets. Sign up with any one of our five betting partners. Make a deposit and we'll send you 50 bucks as a thank you. Any parting words for the fans, Jacob? No, again, if you guys are just tuning in, you watch the thing. I got a friend fighting Saturday night. I'm going to plug him again. Angelo Robles Jr. making his professional debut. Hit him up on Twitter, or I mean on Instagram. You can you search him, Angelo Robles Jr. Uh, his nickname is Tiger, making his pro debut. We can't wait for it. He's going to be a problem. The dude's been wrestling, grappling his whole life. Striking is coming along, wrestled in college. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. Dude's going to be a problem. Check him out. Show him some love. The over two and a half is minus 180. Thank you for that, Chris Riley. Cornholio, come on, my man. Clean it up. Guys, thanks for hanging out. Take your arguments, your comments, your feedback, the good, the bad. Take all of that to our Discord. There is a link in the description. There's links everywhere. Click on all of them. Sign up for all the things, and we will keep giving you free content. Thanks for the watch, and we'll see you later this week. Oh, last thing. We have a second channel. All the individual fight videos on that channel. Check those out. See ya.